take your Bibles tonight. Let's go to Deuteronomy 32. And as we approach our 40th anniversary, we're considering the children of Israel, and specifically we're going to get to when they cross over the Jordan. And again, I have to give the disclaimer that I hope in no way you think I'm insinuating that our church has been in a wilderness because of our disobedience for the last 40 years. That's not the intent. If you remember a couple weeks ago, we considered the sending of the 12 men to spy out the land of Canaan. Joshua and Caleb were ready to take the land. And 10 of them, 10 of the other 12 brought back a bad report. And, and they convinced the entire camp that God had not, in fact, given them the land, that they could not take it, even though they had physical evidence in their hands of the, of the blessings there. Um, in, in fact, if you remember, it got so bad that they were actually going to stone Caleb and Joshua. Uh, amen. And so if you want to be in the ministry, um, and, and anyway, the, um, those ten men, we, remember we saw how they caused rebellion, murmuring, doubt, discouragement, unbelief, crying and weeping, and it angered the Lord to the point where He called it their evil. It was evil to God that they were doing that, but they were not taking Him at His word. And, and as a result, He condemned that generation to die in the wilderness, those who are 20 years old and up. Or not. Hold on. This doofer is going to drive me absolutely nuts if I don't get this fixed. <laughs> okay, maybe that will hold a little better, and now I can move around. But... So anyway, uh, the, the challenge was, what do you see as you look over into the land God has for us beyond 40 years, as we get ready to cross that mark as our, in our church, what do you see over there? And I hope that in our church we have a bunch of Joshua and Caleb's, that kind of mindset, and understands that God has a blessing for us to inherit, we just need to trust Him and keep going forward step by step. And, and, and I, I asked the question, are there any naysayers here? And um, well, there may be, but I would encourage you either to keep your mouth shut or just get out. Um, because your attitude can really infect the entire congregation. And I, I don't want to see anybody leave. I sure don't. I, I've been in just in tears um, over a couple that have decided to to move on, and and I don't want to see that. But I just have to trust. Sometimes God has to do those things. And um, but remember, it was the children of Israel who desired to send the spies in the first place. Um, God never commanded it. He he allowed it. Remember, we compared Deuteronomy one with Numbers thirteen. And, and God allowed it. And so, 
His original intent was for them just to go forward by faith, trusting his strength, his wisdom, because God had already promised them the land. The, the land was already theirs. It was already covenanted. It, it, was, it was theirs for the taking, and, and yet they didn't trust God. And, and so um, what they needed to do was just trust his strength, his wisdom, and that's what we need to do. We have to go forward trusting God, and, and, and we have to keep our mouths shut when we don't think God can because God is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think. Thank you, Jesse. I may get a little more piped here in a minute, so that's good. Um, and then I may get a little quiet, amen. So I won't. Amen. Um, anyway, <laughs> where am I at? If you lead a rebellion against God's intended blessing for us, then God may just keep us where we're at for another 40 years. And I don't know about you, but I want to go further. Um, and, and I want to be clear, I don't want to change anything. I, I have never felt like we were doing something wrong or had been doing something wrong. I just think we need to take what, what preacher put in place and just see that grow. And, and I think that's how God would, would want any of the next generation to do. And so we need to always remember what the previous generation labored to accomplish and then just expand that uh, further. So anyway, let's ask God. Let's ask big. Amen. Um, somebody said, you know why you don't see big things from God? Because you don't ask for it. Tonight's message in Deuteronomy 32, if you'll look with me beginning in verse 7. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father and he will show thee. Thy elders and they will tell thee. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when He separated the sons of Adam, He set the bounds of their people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is His people, and Jacob is the lot of His inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in a waste howling wilderness. He led him about, He instructed him, He kept him as the apple of His eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields. And he made him to suck honey out of the rock, and oil out of the flinty rock, butter of kine and milk of sheep, fat of lambs and rams with uh, rams of the breed of Bashan, and goats with the fat of kidneys of wheat. And thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape. And so we learn... I know we're in th chapter 32, but we learn in chapter 1 that Moses spoke and recorded Deuteronomy on the east side of the Jordan River before they were to cross over. And um, Deuteronomy basically means a restating of the law. And, and what Moses is doing through the book of Deuteronomy is he's just rehearsing everything that God has done. Uh, for them. And so as they're there, and, and you can maybe kind of picture in your mind, they're, they're there at the edge of the river, and they're encamped. And I think it may have taken, you know what, I'm not even going to throw out a date because I'm not sure I've got this straight, but the amount of time that it took Moses to do all this. But anyway, um, they're, they're there. He's rehearsing this. He, he's talking about what's transpired since coming out of Egypt. And uh, God's reminding the children of Israel how He has led them, provided for them, cared for them 
over the last 40 years, despite their hard hearts, despite their stiff necks and obstinacy, and, and we need to take note of how often God will direct our attention backward in order to help us go forward. He, he will remind us of what took place in the past so that we can have the faith to keep going on. Uh, in other words, for us, let's never forget what God has done for us in the past. Right? Let's never forget how God has provided because it will help us to trust that He's able still to help us in the future. In fact, if you'll look at verse 7 again, the challenge is given to remember the days of old, to ask our fathers, our elders, and they would be able to tell us how God worked in their behalf in yesteryear. We have three charter members left in our church, and, or families, I should say, excuse me. And if we were to ask them, they could tell how God has provided over and over again. Amen. And we have several families that have been here for over 20 years, and we could ask them, and they could tell of how God has blessed over the years. We could talk about the press ministry and how God has met need after need. From the equipment, to the stores, to a facility, to a printer, to money, uh, to, to the directors that we've had. And, and, and we could ask Jenny Byers when uh, her and Bill stepped out on faith with $10 in their pocket to go travel. We could hear from Brother Furs how, how God used him and, and he went down to Nebraska for that meeting and got a $50 love offering. And how exciting that was even though it cost them 150 to get there and back. We, we, we could talk to, actually we've already, he's already talked to us, but Brother Petraco uh, about how uh, he could go up to Barrow, Alaska at the top of the earth and, and, and a little church there give $40,000 in one meeting to the press. And, and, and though my intent is to try to get us to look forward beyond 40 years, during this series, to see the blessings of God that He has in store for us, may we never forget the blessings that we've seen in the past 40 years. When we, when we remember God's past provision, we are encouraged through any current difficulties that we are going through. This is true not only corporately, but personally, right? Uh, we, we, we can remember how God worked in our behalf before. Uh, some of those victories in our church's past may have come after times of great discouragement. I mean, you're going through it, you're having a battle, and you're this close to throwing in the towel or whatever, and then there's this great blessing from God. And when we're going through discouraging times, we can bring to our minds that while it happened in the past, God was able then to bring about victory, and He's still able to do that now. Amen. I have seen God's provision in my life financially over the last three and a half years, and it gives me the faith to know He's going to take care of things going forward. Now, granted, there has to be some obedience in this kind of... I mean, I understand what I'm saying... Uh, you just can't go down and party a Sturgis and say, well, Lord, can you raise my bail for me? Um, it doesn't quite work that way. And, and so anyway, um, 
I don't even know why that, I'm sorry. We, we see at the end of verse 10 that even, even though present circumstances can be discouraging, uh, it may seem as though God has deserted us. I want you to understand, God still leads His people. He still instructs His people. Uh, he still keeps them as the apple of His eye. So in verse 10, Moses reminds Israel how God found them in a desert, waste-howling wilderness. Now, God had not lost track of Israel. Amen? Amen. Everybody wake up. God had not lost track of Israel. He he knew where they were at. Uh, Anyway, God had already said before, some 400 years earlier, that when He said to Abram, look, your posterity, they're going to end up in Egypt for 400 years. And, And then in verse 11, which will be our emphasis tonight, Moses says, As an eagle stirreth up her nest fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the context of the verse here is God stirring the children of Israel to want to exit Egypt. That's what Moses is rehearsing. That there would be uh, like an eagle over a nest and, and there would be this desire to leave Egypt. And it and, and the way God would do that, and this is what we're going to really focus on tonight, is God had to keep making that situation more and more uncomfortable in order for them to want to leave Egypt. Remember when they first got to Egypt, they were living pretty good, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, who was, was it? Joseph. Okay, I always get Joseph and Joshua mixed. Uh, do I got the right one? Yeah, Joseph was basically... Uh, the guy. I mean, he was below Pharaoh, but he was running all the affairs. And so when, when Jacob and, and, and those 70 souls, that when, when they're in Egypt, they've, they've got it pretty good at first because Joseph is running the kingdom. Uh, they were being sustained through severe, severe drought, uh, which had come upon all lands. And, and so they all just kind of stayed there. Uh-oh. They just kind of stayed there. And we can understand that kind of thinking. Why move when we have it so good? I've said to a couple people, I could make a very comfortable living the rest of my life just staying right where we're at. We don't have to do anything, go any further. Life's pretty good. But there arose a Pharaoh which knew not Joseph, And with every passing generation, their comfort level began to decrease. God began to stir the nest there in Egypt by making their bondage more and more burdensome. And eventually, as we know, uh, Pharaoh commanded all the male Hebrews born to be cast into the river to die. And through these circumstances, God was stirring them to cry out to him for deliverance. And you'll recall from our second message in our series that when they did that, God sent a man named Moses to go before Pharaoh and let the people go. And just a quick side note here, sometimes those hard situations that we go through that are not very comfortable, um, they are for the express purpose that we will cry out to God for Him to work on our behalf. And I'm sure if all of us gave testimony tonight, we've all had those instances where we've had to kind of feel some uncomfortableness 
and it caused us to cry out to God. And, and I understand the context here. I said all that to say I understand the context is the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. But I want to take this thought tonight and apply it to where God may see this body of believers tonight. This verse is applicable to all of us, regardless to where we're at with our walk with God. And so we all understand that a nest is what animals build, <laughs> especially birds, which apparently is now the Sunday school class. I got, I'm quite, uh, I got to figure that one out, brother. Uh, and, and that's the picture here. It's a bird's nest. But, but let's get a little bit deeper into what a nest is so that we can get the impact of what the illustration can teach us. Uh, understand that birds do not build nests as a permanent home. I think we understand this more in our region because of the climate we live in. We see a lot of migratory birds. They'll build a nest and then they'll fly back out of town. Um, they build a nest, all birds, for the, for the express purpose of laying their eggs, incub incubating their eggs, caring for their hatchlings, and then they send them out. So there is no nest that they go, man, this is going to be nice. Can we put a kitchen over here? And uh, it, It's just for that purpose, and then they leave that nest. The, the foundation of an eagle's nest is made of sticks and branches uh, placed in a, a secure area on a cliff or uh, in a tree where the limbs kind of begin to fork. And in, in places where tall trees are scarce, they have been known to build on the ground, although that's not the ideal thing there. But anyway... Due to the purpose of the nest, I have to say those kind of things because somebody would come up to me and say, well, did you realize that eagles sometimes build them on the ground? I know, um, but we're talking about higher up here. So uh, due to the purpose of the nest, interwoven sticks and branches, they're not soft enough to lay the eggs, to, to have the eggs resting upon that. Uh, it's not soft enough for the eaglets to be cared for. And so what they do is they line their nest with whatever soft material they can find. Uh, typically, it'll be things like uh, moss, uh, some sort of soft plant material, uh, fur from the prey that they kill and eat, uh, their own feathers that fall out. But all kind of materials have been found in eagle's nest, uh, human clothes, this kind of thing, uh, for this soft layer in their nest. And, and, and typically, eagles will return to the same nest uh, year after year. And, and the nest just keeps getting larger and larger. Uh, for bald eagles, this amazes me, the average size of a nest is five feet in diameter and two to four feet deep. Now, that's like a hammock for me, amen? And the largest, according to Guinness Book of World Records, uh, or Guinness Internet of World Records, amen, uh, the, the largest eagle's nest on record was... Uh, surveyed in 1963 in St. Petersburg, Florida, and it measured 9 feet 6 inches wide and 20 feet deep and was estimated to weigh more than 2 tons. That's pretty neat. That's amazing. Um, I don't even know why I'm telling you that, but nests, oh, maybe for this reason, I guess. Nests are built for the protection of their eggs, their hatchlings, uh, which is why whenever possible, they're built pretty high off the ground for protection from most predators. And, and they also would provide some protection from the elements as well. 
These nests are built for the comfort of the eaglets. Those nasty-looking fur balls. You know what I'm talking about? They're built for their comfort. They enjoy that soft lining of those feathers and, and that soft material. The eaglets have it pretty good and are pretty comfortable in that nest. Uh, I mean, we buy feather pillows. <laughs> feather blankets, and I saw recently feather mattress tops or whatever. We buy that stuff and they get it for free. These nests are built as a place where the parents will feed their young as they nurture them to maturity. The eaglets get free meals brought to them without working for it. I read one account when the eaglets are ready to fly but are hesitant. The parents will begin to fly over dwindling food over their head but not giving it to them. And eventually they'll fly over the nest with a meal. They won't give it to their young. And as the eaglets see this, they get more and more hungry for their own life. They get more motivated to leave the nest so they can get a meal. And because of these amenities of protection, comfort, and food all found within the nest, there's no motivation for the eaglet to leave the nest. Just picture that 30-year-old living in the basement, (laughs) playing Xbox, and mom cooking him all his meals. <laughs> Amen. At some point a man's got to be a man. But anyway, so there's no incentive for that dude to get out and fly. <laughs> Somebody said once, well, my, I just, my, my son's just... He's just mooching off of me. I said, are you charging him rent? No. Are you making him buy any groceries? No. Um, are you making him work? No. <laughs> well, you reap what you sow. So <laughs> anyway, this is not family conference, but not only is there not a great deal of motivation to leave the nest, but also consider that all the eaglets have ever known since they've been born, is that nest, right? Are you picturing it? That's all they know. Um, They they don't have an idea of what it means to fly yet. They don't have an idea of what it is to look down 50 feet. Uh, They they don't know yet, and, and, and so that's all they've known in their brief life is the comfort of that nest, and And so, without any exaggeration, outside of that nest is literally outside of their comfort zone. But remember that the nest was never intended for them to live in forever. It's not a permanent residence. It serves one purpose, and that's to bring the next generation of eagles into the world, bring them to maturity and strength, and then have them fly out on their own. So what's the solution to move them along? Well, that's verse 11. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. The adult eagles with their six to seven and a half feet wingspan will flutter their wings over the nest 
which stirs up the nest and causes all that softer material to be blown out. Is everybody with me? You, you picturing this? You can find videos of this on YouTube. It's pretty interesting. And what doesn't blow out, they will tear out on their own. They will even rearrange the sticks in the nest to cause it to be more prickly in there. And the whole purpose of making the nest uncomfortable, that, that's the whole purpose. I'm going to get rid of this soft material that was required when the eggs were laid, was needed when they were hatchlings, and now I'm going to get that out of here. And if I have to, I'm going to rearrange these sticks, and it's going to be uncomfortable. And that nest, which once provided comfort, protection, food, it just becomes more and more uncomfortable, and the eaglets begin the process of wanting to fly. And you might think that doesn't sound like very nice parents, but it's actually for the eaglets good. Without being made to get out of the nest, they would never learn to soar in the heavens. And they would always be stuck in the comfort of that nest, or even worse by falling out or something. So what they do is they begin to bounce around, gaining strength, and as they begin hopping around, they start flapping their wings, and they slowly do these longer kind of hops with their wings open as the wind kind of catches it. They, 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 they begin what's called branching, where they start to venture out onto the branches around the nest, and they'll practice their wing positions in the wind until they eventually take their first flight. And there's some interesting videos out there. I, I spent a lot of time watching those, um, how these eaglets learn how to fly. One in particular showed an adult eagle helping its eaglet out in flight. And the adult, as you watch this video, and I, if, if we had the means here, I probably would have, would have shown it. It's only three minutes. The adult eagle is just straight as can be. There's no moving around right there in the wind, not flapping a wing, and just cruising, right? You can picture that. And the eaglet, that dude's just like, and, and he's tumbling, and, and he can't quite figure it out. He's flapping a little bit. Sometimes he would tumble. And, and the adult is, was just there constantly watching that eaglet. And, and whenever it would start to tumble out of control, speed out of control towards the earth, you would see out of the side of the screen this adult eagle swoop in, and what it would do is it would just kind of take its wing and steady the flight of the eaglet, and it would just get it back on course. It was, it was really neat to see. Um, and, and, and that mother eagle was always in the vicinity of her eaglet. And, and so the end of verse 11 says, "...she beareth them on her wings." In other words, she lifts them up. And, and that's what was taking place in this particular one. It's the same word there, beareth them. It's the same word as when the waters increased and bear up the ark in Noah's day. And so the whole idea is that this eaglet will try to fly, and when it has difficulty, there's the mom or the dad that flies next to them and will just begin to bear them up until they get more stability. There are even testimonies out there of those who observed eaglets falling in their attempts to fly and then seeing the mother eagle swoop under the eaglet 
let that eaglet grab onto her back, and she would fly the eaglet back to the nest and try again. But I couldn't find any videos of that, and there's a lot of debate on that. But either way, this picture is of God's blessing because, as verses 12 through 14 tell us, God was leading. He, he made them to ride upon the high places. He provided the increase of the field. He provided honey and oil, uh, butter and milk, rams, goats, wheat, and grapes. But I want you to know tonight that none of that would have been given to them by God if they had never left the nest in the first place. Here's what I believe God has for us tonight. And I've got to hurry because Russ Mack said so. According to this verse... There are times God wants to stir His people out of the nest. Our nest is 1515 Space Avenue. And, and one of the many dangers we face as a church body is growing content in our comfortable little nest. <clears throat> and, and I can only hope that we're not there already. Because we have provisions here. We have comfort. We have shelter. We, we eat spiritual food here. Uh, how easy would it be just to say, let's just stay here? We have a full building most Sundays. Very limited Sunday school space. Not enough parking. And how tempting it is to just look around and conclude, well, we're doing well enough. I mean, the bills are paid. We can just lay back in our comfortable nest with no desire to leave our current cozy conditions. And if we're not careful, we can get to where we really enjoy where we're at in our Christianity. And we start to have this mindset that this is what God has for us and, and, and I'm doing okay in the Christian life. So we figure, why change? And, and what we actually do is we be, listen now, we begin to trust the comfort of the nest more than we trust God. For 40 years, God led them. And if they're not careful even here on the east side of Jordan they can figure, what's the point? The river's too high. Let's just stay where we're at. And what we often do, I think, sometimes in churches is we just conclude that we will take our ease in Zion. But Amos 6.1 says, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. And here's the deal. God always wants us to be growing. He isn't satisfied where we are. And, he, and I mean that He's not satisfied where we are as individuals, and He's not satisfied where we are corporately. Because He always wants us going forward. 
I preached this morning about bearing much fruit. And I left here very discouraged because I know we're not bearing much fruit. And there doesn't seem to be a big concern. When's the last time you led a soul to Christ? You see, what I'm saying is we get so content where our Christianity's at that we don't see our own need to grow because we've just gotten to where we trust this little confine of the nest. But God wants us to do more. So how long are we going to be content to stay in the nest? There's more than this nest. There's more than what we are doing. Everybody understand what I'm saying? There's more that God has for Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. There's more. And, And so we've got to be able to see that beyond just our little area here. There's more blessings outside of the comfort zone. That eaglet thinks, man, I got it pretty good. It's nice and comfortable. I'm getting a free meal. But man, if they only knew how sweet it would be to stretch their wings, catch an updraft, and just cruise. How many of you have ever wanted to do that? Amen. I, I know I have. I, I watched those eagles out at the house, and I'm just like, man, that'd be awesome. It looks so effortless. But staying there in the nest, they never would mature to soar. Wow, that rhymes. Adrian, write that down. Uh. <laughs> We're going to make t-shirts, amen. Mature to soar. Um, let's not be content to just stay in the nest. God does not want us spending our life fighting to remain in the nest. But God wants us to get out of the nest and move forward. I, I, I couldn't have, this couldn't have been time better, and I, I'm glad Raymond Brionis came now because it pushed this message to now after what I said Wednesday night. And I mentioned Wednesday night how we have to make decisions on if we're willing to get uncomfortable. And I, I didn't have the message in mind un, until towards the end of that, that meeting, but... There are, there are steps that if we would just get uncomfortable, it would lead to higher heights. If we would just let God stir the nest, make it uncomfortable, we would get itchy enough to start doing more to allow God to bless us even more. And so what I'm asking you tonight is I, I want us to ask God to shift the nest around. If He needs to move a stick here, then so be it. Let it jab us in the side until we get uncomfortable enough to move. It's going to cause pain. It's going to cause discomfort. But so long as we'll go forward with Him and serve Him better and more faithfully, we will see even more and more than just that little bowl of the nest. And, and I wonder tonight, will you allow the Lord to make you uncomfortable? 
will you look at our situation here, and, and while I thank God for it, praise God, I, I read the other day, most churches are in decline. And I thank God for what He's doing here. I thank God for those problems. Every preacher I've talked to said, just enjoy it. But while I understand that's a blessing, I think God is trying to tell us, I've got more for you. I gave that stat Wednesday night, and it just blew my mind. I had already mentioned at our annual Church of the State address that in 2017, we averaged 145. In 2018, we averaged 145. And so far in 30 weeks of 2019, to the .0, we've averaged 145. We have to get uncomfortable. If not, this is where we're at. This is, our, this is our journey. And like I said, I can live very comfortably right here. But will you say, God, make us uncomfortable? Look at your situation, our situation, and say, God, do as you need to to stir us to greater things. And we just need to trust God's stirring. Because it's not always going to be enjoyable, but it is for our good and for His glory. We love Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I mean, we put it on our walls. We, Man, that's my verse. But that verse will not apply until you allow God to stir your nest up. Because you're not going to mount up with wings as eagles so long as you're comfortable in that nest. So I wonder tonight if you'd be willing to ask God to flutter His wings over us and stir us to where we get uncomfortable and we desire to soar higher. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Um, Thank You for our church. And I am thankful for this nest that we have, but Lord, it's time to get uncomfortable. It's time for you to flutter over our nest that we would mount up with wings as eagles. Lord, I I believe with all my heart you're trying to show us that there's more that you have in store. We just need to get uncomfortable enough to do something about it. So God, I call on you tonight. I don't know about others. But I ask you tonight to please do what you need to do that you might get more honor and glory in Rapid City. We ask it for Christ's sake because he's worthy. Amen. Let's stand, please.